Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Ian, Sachi, James and Carlos to discuss the importance of building effective teams. Before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Ian, why don't you start us off? Hey, thanks, Luxie. Um, yeah, my name's Ian. I'm American. I've been in uh, Stockholm, Sweden for the last um, 10, 11 years. Uh, during that time, I, I worked at Spotify for about half the time and then iZettle uh, for another five years. Um, most recently, I joined Trade Republic, which is a Berlin-based startup, and um, I'm the product lead for an area of the product called Discovery. Thanks. Amazing. And Sachi? Hey, thanks, Lexi. Uh, I'm Sachi Danand. I'm a product manager and team lead at Klarna. Prior to Klarna, I was working uh, with Paytm back in India. And for Klarna, I moved over to Germany. We, uh, as a team, is focusing on the problem space of uh, payments experiences. That's me. And I'm really excited to be here to discuss about how to build effective teams. Oh, amazing. Thank you. And James? Thank you. Uh, my name is James Howe. I work as an engineering manager for a team called Keys at Spotify. Uh, what we do is we measure uh, the health and the heartbeat of the company, pretty much. Uh, previous experiences uh, engineering, mostly in backend, but recently, of course, dwelled into a lot of data engineering. Amazing. And finally, Carlos. Yeah, thanks, Luxi. So I'm Carlos, and well, I'm from Spain, and actually still finishing my studies in machine learning. But I have also yeah, co-founded during my studies my startup, Rivia, which we are part of the KTH Incubator program. And we are just like about a year old, so still very early stage. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you. So now that we have established a context of each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or statement on building effective teams. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. And each of each of you will have the opportunity to give or take on the situation. Let's start with James. Yeah. Uh building effective teams, topics I would like to discuss is, I would like to jump directly to how to main, maintain an effective team. Uh, when we talk about effective teams, sometimes we can talk about if it's how much the teams produce or how much values they bring. Uh, that's a discussion we sometimes have in our team when we talk about how much value or like how much is actually of the top priorities that we are producing. Um, I think that's a never-ending question, very hard to answer, to be honest. Uh, we, of course, you try to prioritize your work in some way, but it's actually hard to see sometimes the actual result when it's uh, many levels away from your own team. Like for my team example, we develop a lot with data engineering. We provide data sets uh, for the whole company, for analyst work and for external reporting, but we don't really interact with our end customers. We don't interact with our um, different directors who need their business reports made by BI people who has the data um, given to them through different tools managed by other teams and they ingest it from our data sets. So it's like multiple levels far away, uh, multiple levels away from where we produce our data. So um, when we think about effective teams, we definitely think also about the purpose, like what makes Purple interested, engaged into providing into providing value to the company. Uh, I like to think not only about engineering, uh, I like to more think about the business side of it. Um, yeah, any thoughts, Sachi? Yes, uh, so uh, you spoke about uh, the impact of what your team does is not very easy to uh, maybe visualize or see. 
because it's happening or the end consumer is sitting far away from your team but i was thinking maybe it helps uh, your team to have recurring feedback sessions with immediate stakeholders and discuss or maybe you can float a survey or set up a session where they can come to you and discuss about how you are adding value to what they do uh, so you need not wait to see results from the end consumer but from your immediate stakeholders or customers who are maybe internal uh, customers uh, maybe them giving you a rating of 9 out of 10 is something that makes your team happy about what they are doing and that motivates them uh, and that keep motivating them and that's one of the things as you said how to maintain uh, one of the thing that is critical uh, in maintaining an effective team i guess I definitely agree. Like great input, um, service, and like getting some type of feedback is always useful. Um, I definitely think that not only for uh, understanding what we're doing, but for the team health as well. Like getting this feedback from from people outside your team or people who are like uh, further away from your team. Like just getting this appreciation is really helpful to make the team more stable. Essentially, Ian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think uh what Sachi just said makes a lot of sense um and you know making sure that you're kind of living up to the the needs of your stakeholders which you do have I'm sure many of them many stakeholders in your company um so being able to kind of um uh understand and measure that in some way survey otherwise is a good idea do you have do you have proxy metrics that that kind of lead to that somehow correlate with these larger company um uh your impact on the company in some way that you that you're measuring when we certain metrics we make for example is like mau monthly active users which describes which is a public uh, reported metric so in that sense we understand it has a lot of values for example for uh, stakeholders external stakeholders uh, how the business is thriving and of course this metric is floated around everywhere uh, when talking about how much how successful uh, my company spotify is um, it's harder though to actually get it, it's exposed a lot yes but it's hard to sometimes measure like how how much impact does it really have It's, yeah but like, I, i meant more of like proxies to the to those company metrics so like your own teams what your what your your own team is building ways to measure what they're building and 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 then looking at maybe how how those making those numbers go up and to the right how that correlates to MAU or something else so then mm. it's a proxy yeah uh, that's a good idea uh, certain metrics like usage metrics uh, we have certain engagement metrics uh, is that what you think you're fine Sachin go ahead you have your hand hand up there yeah i i think i was uh, about to speak something like i i was thinking in the same line uh, as you ian Uh, and i wanted to give you an example how uh, one of the teams do it within my company because they are they are an extremely critical team for uh, what klarna does to our consumers but they are not visible to the end consumer they are very internal they are setting up the infrastructure or connection to various banks so that we can build products on top of it and how they uh, how they build their metrics is of course for klarna what we measure is how much uh, what is our conversion rate how good is our experience and their proxy metrics is kind of how much uptime they have in their connection to these banks how much coverage they have in a certain market and are they using the best uh, api connection that is provided by the bank so they have cer- certain 
proxy metrics, I would say, which is not exactly what the metrics that we as a company measure, but something that is kind of translates into those metrics. Uh, maybe it's some, some such an approach could help. Uh, that's what I wanted to highlight. Yeah, really good. Uh, Ian, do you still have something to say? No, I think that, that that's a good example. Uh, Carlos? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to add a bit on what Sachi was speaking about, about the feedback within the team, that I think it's something that for us has also worked really well. We just used to do really frequent feedback sessions with each other, not only within team, but sometimes a bit outside and stakeholders maybe. So you get to have a bit the perspective from different sides and the, get input on the problems, on the priorities for the team. That sometimes when you're just giving feedback within the team, you end up a bit of in a bubble and it's difficult to get out, I think. Thank you. Yeah, circling back to the original topic, um, I definitely think for the people in the team, it's very important to get this continuously feedback just to make sure that you are you're, you're part and that your your work makes, makes a change. Uh, I can definitely see sometimes that people who don't have a clear uh, measure of their value or doesn't get feedback so often that they sometimes lose interest, to be honest, uh, interest and engagement, which essentially will eventually hit the performance uh, of themselves and, ex uh, and then in turn the team itself. Uh, it goes very fast to affect the team in a negative way. Like it's, it's like it's very it's a very long process to build an efficient team, but it goes very fast to make a, make a stable team crumble, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Well, thank you for that and um, getting some great uh, examples from the workplace as well. Um, and Carlos, would you like to kick us off? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so the topic I wanted to talk about, it's a bit about the importance on the, um, having a good team culture and values within the company, also towards recruiting and growing teams. Um, and I think one of the main questions I wanted to talk about, which could be a great input for my case too, is how to adjust this company culture, how to move it forward when you are growing the team or expanding out as a big company. Um, because I think, for example, in our case, we are a small team or five people and now started a lot of hiring processes. And I think it's something we really try to give a lot of importance and to the culture we have and to I think it helps us a lot also filtering candidates and maybe sometimes you have to not only go for the pure skill but look for that resonance with the with the project in our case for example with Rivia is a bit more B2C targeted toward, toward customers so we we have a bit of this customer obsession and want to be always tar targeted and thinking towards the best possible experience for the user. And I think it's something we always try to look for this obsession in the recruiting and within everyone we try to hire and get into the team. So I also wanted to know yeah, your perspectives from the side of a bigger company on how do you try to continue this process and keep these values with a very big team. So yeah, James. Um, in, in Spotify, how it works is that the, the recruitment process is pretty streamlined. Like there is uh, certain interviews in the beginning, like uh, minimal screening, and then there's usually an on-site, which consists of multiple interviews of different uh, areas, for example, technical, architectural, values, culture, uh, fit to the team, and so on. With the, with the big process, you will definitely, what comes out of it is, is in general really good candidate. But then at the same time, since there are people, uh, quite a few people apply, that means that certain people who might not have the technical skill 
but excel in certain other areas are sometimes missed. And I think that's a huge problem. Uh, in some cases where you don't need someone, you don't need to have someone who knows how to write sorting algorithm or balance black, red trees or whatever. Like you, you just need someone with a certain interest, someone with a certain drive, and the rest you can teach that person. In general, people who uh, would join or join our way of like the different ways of working in, in IT. They are they're pretty knowledgeable and you can they will easily snap up knowledge. But to find a person who has the, like the high bar of work ethics, uh, the drive to work forward and figure out their own solutions, I think that's the unicorns which you should target. And also very hard to find, very hard to find, especially if there is a big process in place before they actually come to you as the hiring manager yourself. I don't have a good answer to fix it, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that yeah, currently, yeah, I think recruiting process sometimes yeah, in order to have to filter out so, so much, yeah, record so much on the technical skills. But yeah, I have seen that with uh, some people who have hired for the startup in the end. Yeah, when you, I don't know, when you manage to get this culture, also people are like engaged and really, you know, get in the end to feel like part of it and are more motivated. So yeah. Sometimes maybe there can be some way to take that into account. But Ian, you have any ideas? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there's that old old saying like uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I don't know if that's you know that, that's a bit it's a, it's a bit extreme because I think strategy is also important for a company. But it just shows you how important culture is, and you know when. If you've ever been in a company where you kind of start thinking, wait a minute, why is why why is this always a problem, or why aren't we good at X? You uh, oftentimes you can point to culture because of those things. If you see them kind of happening over and over again, not just in a team but generally, um, even though they might be solved by just smart people and skills. Uh, culture plays a huge role. And so I think you're doing, you know, uh, the right thing and making sure that you're testing for the type of culture you want to develop. Um, and the recruitment process, I agree with James and, and yourself, that's a big place where you can do that. Um, but really, you know, leaders uh, represent culture every day in an organization. And you need to cultivate your leaders in the company and you need to uh, coach them and you need to um, basically bring them into the process to make sure that they're representing your culture the way that you want it to be represented. So that 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 is, um, you know, devils in the details and every culture is going to be different. That's an that's an interesting thing about, you know, I've worked across B2B and, and, and consumer, and the cultures can be quite different. Um, for example, um, in consumer, you, you would um, likely in a, a much more favor a kind of um, analytical, um, experiment-driven culture than, um, you know, so much craftsmanship, for example, that you find in, in B2B. Um, and, you know, that means very different things, right? That means very different expectations uh, on teams as they're building things. Um, uh, that would just be one example. Um, but I, last last uh, thing I would share on this topic is the fewer the kind of, let's say, company values, um, the better, I would say. Um, you know, don't don't come with a list of like these 15 things and like, 
uh, 11 of them are things that you should just be expecting of people anyways. Like that's just just good behavior in a company. Um, bring the really unique things that make your company special. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Yeah, I think, and also the part you said about yeah, being consistent and communicating the team values is very important. And yeah, in the end, I think for us also, yeah, when we draft the team values, as you said, not just doing a list and started putting anything. Try, I think it has to be also from the way the company yeah, is acting already and how you can represent that way of going forward in some way. So yeah, such is. Just wanted to add on to what Ian and James said. It's, uh, it's crucial to have uh, these values or fil to filter candidates based on values and culture during the recruitment, but it's also quite important to consistently highlight uh, and discuss these values while you are in the company. And uh, when you are, when your performance is measured or when you are evaluated, uh, it should be, or it, it helps to be done on the values. Of course, business impact and uh, things that you delivered are discussed, but how you have shown values uh, or the important principles that you have within the team or within the company is very crucial to like maintain that culture. And even if you are lacking in one or two of these areas, these can be improved if they are consistently discussed with your uh, lead or uh, with your team on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Very good points, Dan. I think it, it just shows that it's something that has to always be on top of our minds. And, uh, James? Yeah, uh, I just want to give a shout out to those people in different company, uh, companies who tries to push culture. I think definitely think that in each company or certain people will work a little bit harder for the culture, trying to get them vibe of like what is the feeling of the company, try to set uh, standards a little bit like what you can expect when different things are happening i think these people are heavily undervalued like very very heavily undervalued in certain larger companies of course you might have certain people working to just create culture but in smaller companies you don't have that luxury you need to have an engineer or a pm or an em to push that culture and spread it organize those uh, get togethers organize those uh, virtual meetings yeah that's it's a lot of effort it's incredible lot of effort and it takes some imagination and willpower to just you know to send out the form to get all the participants to make sure everyone knows where to go or whatever like that's yeah just want to give a shout out to those people and be super thankful like hey you are doing a much bigger impact than you actually think and that's very appreciated yeah Although I, just, I mentioned in my previous comment that it is important to uh, consider these values when you are when you are evaluating your teammates, uh, the performance or whatever. But what I've found very challenging is to how to make it very objective because often times these are quite subjective. Okay, this is the leadership value that you've shown. Okay, how it is, how can it be objectively measured? Uh, any thoughts on that? How can we make it very objective rather than being subjective that leads to, you know, debates and discussions of course they are good debates and discussions but uh, any thoughts on making it very objective i think well at least in our case how we try to um, relate is that we have seen that when we try to do these more culture gatherings and these sort of team building and we see that the people get more engaged and in the following weeks we usually have a faster development uh, because maybe yeah, the people got together during the event they also got to discuss some of the problems we are tackling got new ideas so also it comes 
speed up or having like a small boost at first. So I, that's why I think that having this sort of recurrence then when people can just meet each other again and just have a chat sometimes helps a lot. Uh, James, uh, James can hear you. Just want to build on top of that. Like when people get together and uh, they meet, it builds a certain trust, you know, it builds a certain trust that you know who this person is. You, you maybe only exchanged a few sentences, but still it's like, it's a whole different thing than someone you had just talked through it, uh, through a chat. It's su it's a, such a big difference. It feels for me in person that I know it shouldn't be like this, but it just feels that it's easy to trust someone who I've met and, you know, talked about the weather. Then someone will just pops up and say, hey, I need this. Can you fix it? Like that's it's a whole different uh, thing. And definitely think now when we move into a more asynchronous uh, workplace, like we're working from anywhere, people, you know, companies are spread out. It's going to be a challenge. Like it's going to be a challenge to keep, to keep the same level of trust. Maybe we will find different ways to work around it in pure productivity, but um, like this sense of belonging, like we are in this together. Like I definitely see that the culture, the company culture will take a hit in this specific topic. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the future looks. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. In our case, also, yeah, we have the mix. We have seen that yeah, in the end, when we managed to get the people that are remotely coming and do these event states, it changed completely. So, yeah, uh, I guess there is no clear solution, <laughs> but we'll need maybe some new tech or something to improve the way we communicate. Amazing. And Ian? Uh, yeah, so uh, my, my uh, question for the group is how do you find the right balance in a team between bottom-up innovation and top-down direction? So um, I guess the context of that question is really that, you know, in big, in big organizations, you have, uh, um, you know, hundreds of teams building products um, and, you know, uh, building on a service. And um, they obviously, um, you know, you're, you're hiring smart people to take decisions and every day and to, uh, to grow and to um, obviously build a product, build the product better than you could yourself as a, as a hiring manager. But at the same time, um, there's a, there's a kind of a balance that you need to find between kind of giving those teams the direction they need and letting them also figure out the um, the way forward as well. There's kind of a handshake there. So uh, yeah, some companies kind of over-index one way or the other, either top down or bottom up. But obviously there's this kind of goal to kind of find the healthy middle ground. So how do you do that? James, you want to start? Yeah, thanks. Um, I definitely think that there should be directions from uh, from the top and when I'm saying directions, it needs to give the space for the bottom to figure out how to solve it in their own way. I think it's very dangerous when top doesn't give any clear expectations or any clear direction because then essentially you are like in a ship with now sailing but you don't know where you're going, you're just randomly sailing. Uh, that you can keep the team itself like motivated for a certain while but if they can't really connect to the bigger goal i think it's a huge risk not only for retention and like interest like also because people want to bring value like they want to be a part of something like this belonging again uh, i think definitely think there's uh, it's very hard to balance like, it's super hard to balance uh, sometimes you play like uh, good cop bad cop with like uh, the pm being the good cop the em being the bad cop <laughs> with the top down decisions uh, but I think that it needs to happen somewhere where you try to figure out the balance and as the team games experience, I believe that they will figure out 
what what they should do about situation itself. But again, just want to reiterate, uh, without the top top direction, I feel that it's it's super dangerous, mostly for retention and for making sure the team makes something valuable. Cool. Yeah, just out of curiosity, and not to put you on the spot, but um, no country, no no company has this right. So, um, where would you put the bias on Spotify today? Uh, on top down or bottom up? I would definitely say depending on where you work. Different departments, they have a much more top down uh, approach. Uh, then there's different departments who have a more bottoms up approach. Uh, for example, like platform teams, in my opinion, they have more bottoms up where the people, the, the foot soldiers of the company is looking around in the company and figure out like, hey, you need a lot of help here. Let's, let's figure that out. Let's pitch that to, uh, to the top. But if you're looking at um, like some com- uh, consumer experience, how they work. Like they have uh, ideas presented to the leads, and then the leads decide, okay, we're gonna bet on these two things. Let's focus on delivering these things, and that's a very top top down decision, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, it depends on where in the where where, where in the machinery you are. Sachi. Yes, uh, I was. I wanted to add from my experience. Uh, what I find uh, a setup that would work really well is almost like uh, James said, where you have uh, an overall vision and vision set by uh, by um, from from the top, uh, and then you as a team figure out uh, or define a problem space that best suits the competences that you have within the team, and and work towards a goal for your team which best contributes to the to the company's goal or help company move closer to that goal. So it's, it's like a mix. Larger vision is always set from the top. And then within the team, not not a single person, but as a team, you together discuss and define your vision. What should be your milestones? And then what should be your principles? And then you work towards it. And that vision that you've set for the team is or should be revisited uh, time to time because maybe company strategy changed and we have to also change a little bit to align with larger goal and that really helps because as james said again uh, people want to be people want to contribute and they want to have an impact and it is possible when you are aligned with larger goal so that not only just your team but many other teams around you should also be working towards that vision and helps you achieve difficult targets and then it's easy to measure and get rewarded throughout the company if you are also aligned towards uh, the larger goal set by the company. Yeah, to, to add on to Sachi, I think yeah, it's very important, as you said, like when you want people to be able to come with ideas, is maybe even if you have this top-down approach to really motivate the people, to motivate and reward these new ideas or innovation, that having the possibility that everyone knows that if they have a decision that maybe could be made for an improvement, they can bring it to the top and it will be taken into consideration or getting together in this decision making so there is this reward or motivation that drives the team yeah it's a tough it's a tough mix isn't it i mean uh to one extent if you were to just strictly go by okay there's a metric and the team decides how to affect that metric and um which i think is is a good way generally of going especially in consumer type teams um where do you think sachi the kind of the 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 leadership uh, decision power lies uh, in relation to what teams build? Uh, of course. Uh, so uh, the teams define, and, and it's essential to uh, to have the right competences in your team. And I believe that 
it should be a mix. So your team should be, if you want to really like be autonomous and work towards the goals that you set, but of course it's contributing to the larger goals. You have to have the right competences within your team so that you are independent to an extent. And it is not like once you set the vision and for the team and then you just work towards it completely in silo, not like that. You have to have periodic touch basis with or syncs with let's say the larger department or even uh, uh, even the even at cxo level where you present okay this is your vision and these are my priorities or our priorities for this time period and how, what is your feedback so it's it should always be um, give and take feedback on what you're doing not always they tell you like okay you should do this or that but they give you constructive feedback on okay very good you you are traveling uh, in the right direction okay maybe you should try and do try and do something else maybe this is where you can contribute much better so there should be periodic things where you share what you're doing um, so we call uh, within klarna for example we have something called team reviews and group reviews where you share your uh, next three months roadmap uh, what is the priority why you have prioritized this and the prioritization everything is done within your team but everyone else has a say in like give or has an opportunity to give feedback or question or challenge and that really helps and i really love that kind of model where you have kind of full autonomy but of course you are accountable and you get feedback often and you can correct the course if it's needed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at, at Trade Republic, we have weekly design reviews and business reviews. Um, and uh, and so I think we're just figuring out now, you know, we're, we're a relatively young company, so we're, we're with a lot of new people. So we're, we're kind of figuring out our balance there with um, how to give the right context in those meetings without being too prescriptive. Um, and uh, and then also, I think there's a place for potentially product reviews, right, in the life cycle. Um, and that's something we haven't introduced. Uh, but um, yeah, maybe we should talk offline sometime about all of your ceremonies and, and, and things in this respect. Very happy to, yeah. And I just wanted to ask you a question. Like whenever you, let's say you, of course, do prioritization as a product lead, right? Uh, then uh, do you also then try to relate or map it to the KPIs that, the at, at higher level what trade republic wants to achieve how this initiative is contributing to that goal or do you do that yeah yeah so we're we're starting to do that and um and so then we set a goal like a that each team uh should have one to two kpis they're trying to impact um and then those kpis should relate to company level goals um we have those in place um what we don't have we're using a lot of common sense and how they correlate, right? Like we don't have, we're still doing research into how these things connect and correlate. For example, um, we're still kind of catching up on, okay, making sure that we know where that metric is today so that when we start a story, we are already having a goal about how far we want to move that metric or would like to. Um, yeah. So it's it's coming into place uh, now, essentially. That's great. Amazing. I'm moving on such a your topic. I, I, I wanted to ask all of you, uh, I mean, I wanted to really listen in about what do you do to give and take feedback within your teams? Uh, how do you do that? And how how do you ensure that the feedback is uh, taken seriously and uh, that that is acted upon or you try take measures to do something about it? Uh, Carlos, do you want to go? Um. Yeah, yeah, I can go. So I think, yeah, well, in our case, we try to do quite frequent feedback. And 
what the way I would say we try to give feedback is um, mentioning, relating it to a particular time or, for example, a person, okay, when we were doing this or during the development on this phase, I felt like something was lacking or the specific um, feedback so it can be related with the task and then it can be much easier for the person to know okay when I'm doing this task again or when I have to face this problem I should inform you because maybe you felt like the communication was not good at the moment or someone felt like it's not connected with what's going on on that development and I think that connecting that feedback specific to very specific task and going very specific on it, it's what helps the most because then you can really extrapolate it in the future to other things easily. James? Yeah, I want to build on Carlos' uh, thoughts as well. Uh, there, there definitely was a time where we used to give feedback and it was pretty much like you're doing a good job, you're being nice. Like, sorry, that feedback is very hard to grow on. Like you need to have situational feedback, like specific things which tells you black or white, how you can improve uh, different situations, what different actions could you take, what different results would you achieve by doing it in a different way. I think that it's super important, especially when having these development talks with your, with your own team, that they, it needs to be something which they can build upon and learn from. I mean, it's always nice to, to have your colleagues praise you in a very uh, nice way but in many cases what we're looking for is like how can we develop develop the individual further like how do you become a better self uh, i definitely feel that especially now when working asynchronous and you know uh, working all over the world uh, in the teams themselves i think it's very important to constantly connect and give this as soon as it happens pretty much uh, this was the situation and this what happened like if you have done these actions then maybe this will result in, like maybe that would have a better impact on the team or the business or whatever. Uh, I feel that, uh, you know, the connection which we had pre-pandemic when everyone was in the office, it was more natural to bring this up. And now sometimes it feels uh, a little bit constrained to give this feedback through a camera. It's a little bit tougher. And I think it's a, we need to be extremely cautious to not give this type of feedback uh, through a chat message like that can be inter interpreted in so many ways and we don't want it to be in a way uh, which will only spell negative when the person receiving the feedback might not be in the most perfect emotional state uh, i definitely think that when when we are giving this feedback uh how, what, what, what do you say praise in public uh what is that praise in public and be you know uh, the other stuff in private uh, i think that's that still keeps the candidate in a somewhat good mood and it's not it's not like you want to point out the person to, and tell hey you're doing a bad job it's more about hey you and me we need to talk and if you have a beef with another colleague like you you two need to sort it out like, try to understand his perspective think about the intention instead of the action you know, when i think about the funny analogy i think about sometimes for example when you're driving along a road and then there's someone who just uh, uh, cuts in front of you and drives off and you're like that guy is crazy like why the hell did you do that that's not okay. But then sometimes when you do it yourself and you're like, oh, but, but I had a reason. It was okay. Like the intention versus action. Like I judged that person solely on that person's action. But what I judged my own actions was based on my intention. Like we understand that people do certain actions, but we should always remember that we actually should judge them based on the intentions. Maybe the intention was good, just that the action didn't come out as expected. But yeah. Thanks, James. Ian. 
Yeah, um, you know, uh, success in a role uh, is often, um, you know, we talk about, oh, well, what, how did you impact? How did you impact the product and, and the, the company and stuff like that? But in, ge in general, with, with a team, success in a role is sort of like, are you maintaining trust within a team um, according to what their expectations are for your role, right? And so uh, feedback is... is is really important for us to all remember that that is we need you know we need to like trust is sort of uh, is should be there with other team members at a sort of half glass right it's it's already there but it's a half glass it's not a full glass and uh, and it can spill over very easily and and so we 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 say and do things every day um, that you know, can impact that the perception that other people have of you, as uh, James was talking about. And so I think it's really important that we're proactive with feedback um, and create cultures that are, you know, super comfortable with with giving feedback. Um, I know the company that I've joined is um, obsessive about this. And it, it was one of the things that actually attracted me to the company is that kind of willingness to put um, you know, to create this culture that everyone is expected to put themselves out there and and and, and share uh, with others how they can get better and um, and and be willing to uh, get that feedback yourself. A few a few comments on this though. Um, one, I completely agree with the immediacy of feedback. That's so important. Because if you think about, you know, this kind of quarterly feedback cycle, in, in a way, you know, regardless of how, you know, how, you know, how many tools companies want to give you to, you know, make this effective and whatever, in general, they, 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 the feedback that you get on a quarterly level tends to bias positive, like you tend to see quite a lot of positive comments there. And it can be reassuring as an employee where you go, okay, I'm doing these things right. What you're not reading is between the lines, like where I can improve. Um, and it just, tends to not be the place where people are going to give you that directness that you might need. And so you need to be proactive yourself and, 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 uh, in, in this respect, and also just create a practice of listening between the lines, uh, sort of speak, um, and how people are giving feedback in, you know, retrospectives or, uh, just uh, over Slack. I mean, this is all obviously changing with the world of, of working remotely. I can just add that my my personal feeling of working remotely is that this has actually gotten better for me because I, I, I think more before I, you know, say things um, because I when I'm saying things, then I'm often waiting for either a meeting or I'm, or I'm going to write them down. And that forces me as a person that tends to think when they speak, uh, which is a habit I have um, as a extrovert, then uh, I, I tend to get in trouble in this way. So if I, if, so I think working remotely actually helps me a lot and to give the feedback appropriately to colleagues by taking the time to, to actually do it and not off the cuff. Carlos. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to add on something that uh, James was saying before that I think with feedback, there's yeah, something to be careful is that sometimes we are may not be in the right state to receive feedback. So in our case, we try to follow a framework when yeah, the first time 
we always ask first if the person is willing to receive feedback at the moment or it's in a state when they want to get it. And then I'll say we always try to go for the um, behavioral observation to yeah, always relate to what the person was doing then the feelings part. So how were you feeling when, when that happened? And also the need and the wish. So then when you try to cover all those parts, it's it's very difficult for the feedback to end up being too general. You are always going to have to break it down in all the parts. And I think it's when you get the most out of it. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, I have a I have a few follow up questions on this, but uh, just wanted to state within in, in my team, what we do is in order to give uh, and take feedback and to encourage periodic uh, feedback, uh, giving and taking feedback, what we do is we encourage them to have one on one sessions specifically for sharing feedback. Uh, and then when you have the purpose clearly stated, it's always easy to have the right frame of mind. Uh, and then we always encourage not to do sandwich feedback. Like you start with something positive, then share a negative one and then end with positive. Uh, why? Because it's often, it's most likely that you miss the negative one because you sandwiched it with two positive ones. Uh, but however, since two words, uh, was highlighted in this discussion, which was like working remote and various cultures. So what do we, and it's, it's essential for effective team to have trust within the team, right? So how do we, how do we get them, get the teammates to have that trust level so that you can share feedback when you're working mostly remote? Uh, since you're not meeting in person, how do you establish that trust level? Secondly, uh, nowadays, we work a lot with teams where you have multiple cultures, and and cult and it's it's really crazy that in different cultures, uh, things when you speak about something or when you share something, it's taken or the communication is quite different. Like for example, in India where I'm coming from, everything is mostly indirect, and uh, other person expect you to understand even though they are not very direct. While in Germany, it's very direct. So how do you manage? Uh, sharing feedback which is really helping the other person which is constructive enough when you have multiple cultures how do you manage it? Yeah. Uh, if i might just start um yeah just to, just uh, on the on the like the first question um i think we you know we can't underestimate the role of of leaders and and also roles and responsibilities in this equation right um you know um making sure that you have the trust if you're if you're in a team that's like that's basically you're seeing a lot of people pissed off all the time upset at one another or whatever there's probably more to the the situation than what you know meets the eye it's not just 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 because people are upset Pe teams want to be productive they want at the end of the day a productive team is a happy team and i i find that a lot of the kind of um pettiness or the uh, People, not to call it petty, but people people find getting really upset in teams. Um, not a lot of it, but it can happen in certain cultures where it's it's actually coming from something else. It's it's happening because they're just like they're feeling their leaders are not helping them sort out problems, or that their team is not productive enough. And so there's this kind of like there's this issue of expectation management happening, and I, I just wanted to call that out. Like you can get their feedback all day, but if you're not acting on it as leaders, and it's only staying within your peers, for example, and they can't really help, then that's a problem in itself. 
Um, so just just to call that out, that's really what I wanted to share. Sachi. You're on mute, Sachi. I wanted to ask, uh, like in, in Klarna, we have something called, you know, annual engagement survey, quarterly engagement surveys, where it's, it's done at a larger level and you get results for your team as well, which is discussed within the team. And it's, it's like an open platform where you can say whatever you want. You don't have to, when you give results uh, or when you share responses in the survey, you are anonymous, but you are in the discussions, you can always come and speak about a topic. And uh, oftentimes what we do is we listen in like as leaders to, and it's, it's encouraged that you challenge or question things. And then there is always follow up on, okay, what are the key things that we decided from the survey that we should improve on? And then on a recurring basis, we monitor whether we are improving on these uh, metrics or topics. And then it will be very evident in the next quarterly engagement survey, did we really do anything towards it or not? And it's always very fulfilling uh, to see certain topics improve on a, on a, on a recurring basis. It's, it's really nice when you see it and the team also feels happy about it that you're taking things seriously. Uh, but what I've seen as a challenge, at least uh, for me, is at, at teams level, we, we see sometimes, okay, results quite fast, but at a larger organization levels, for example, topics like uh, recognition and reward or, you know, promotions, etc. These are very difficult to be decided within the team, even you get feedback. Uh, how do you in your companies like sort of tackle this challenge? I think there's not an easy answer, but I mean, the more people you bring into the discussions, the more complexity you will face. You have to listen to the people's different input. They have different perspectives of the issue. I honestly don't have a good answer to it. I, I feel the same as you. On a team level, you can pretty much see immediate actions. Uh, you can do things uh, much faster at the area level. Yeah, for sure. But once it gets gets into like on the company wide level, it gets tougher. Like you need people dedicated to the specific cause to work on it, and it's harder to follow up as well. Uh, but yeah, no answer to that, Carlos. Uh, yeah, I agree that I think it's something very hard because in our case, I think feedback is something that most of the times needs to be personal, because I think that helps a lot to the issue you were pointing out of culture. Sometimes, for example, in our case, we are very multicultural team but i think when in the end yeah, when this feedback is something personal it feels a bit more maybe intimate or close with the person so i think that helps a lot to like break all these barriers i think when you get this out to a big team it's it's very hard to keep it effective do you do some kind of uh, cultural mapping uh, to to raise awareness self-awareness and also awareness among the teammates that okay this is how your teammates are or this is their character, something like cultural mapping or disc exercise where you, you know, discuss various personalities within the team. We have done actually recently a mapping and I think that it's, it's very useful because you get to see when people feel better than others or the opposite. So I think it's, it's a very good feedback to know, okay, in these situations, we know that it may be more troublesome for in these particular parts of the team or not. So yeah, I think it helps. A lot. I haven't, I haven't done that in a while, but, um, but, uh, I think it's really interesting. Gosh, I was just listening to some podcast. Um, is it Bridgewater associates where the CEO is quite famous for doing these, these personality tests to really kind of dictate what type of projects you might work on, uh, versus your peers. Um, anyways, interesting to check that one out if you're interested definitely and i can also suggest uh, to follow erin mayer uh, she's done a lot of work on cultural mapping and there are various tools to do uh, 
country mapping, team mapping, personal mapping, profile mapping, etc. So it's it's really interesting and it has helped at least me because I work with I mean in my team I have four or five nationalities. Uh, so many different languages spoken different cultures so it's really helped me a lot in adapting myself as the team lead uh, and also running these exercises within the team has helped the team also really gel well uh, as a team uh, adjust or adapt to different cultures and i think that has uh, over a period of time helped us a lot to become i i don't think we are yet a perfect team but we are on that path i can definitely say that Amazing. Um, and we'll leave it there. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Carlos, Sachi, Ian and James for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me by LinkedIn or by my email at luxiaevolution-nordics.com. See you next time.